Carson Quinn. Darren Pang just robbed you. Can't beat the heart of a lion and Kelly J. Not going to back Kelly Chase up at all. Chase will fight this thing until he's absolutely out of gas. A great play along the wall to start with. Just keeping the puck in. Shattenkirk with a quick decision. Schwartz bouncing on the puck. The save of the year. The absolute save of the year. Holy jumping. What a save this is. The pucker factor down on the Chicago bench is pretty pretty high right now. Let me tell you. The Blues have stuck with the plan. The push was on. And that leaves the sniper off the bar and in the net. And that is our drive to the net. And why wouldn't it be? This is Jason Putts with Panger, only on NHLPodcast.com, a lineup media group production. Now, your hosts, Kelly Chase and Darren Pang. Welcome to Chase and Pucks with Panger on an NHLPodcast.com. What a great uh, lineup we got for you today, Panger. Uh, We've got our guest of the week being Adam Oates, who had a time to uh, sit down and chat with us. That was a that was a nice little conversation that we had with him. Lots of stuff going on around the league. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the officiating because uh, we've had some some you know questions about the officiating and maybe the direction of the officiating because a lot of times uh, their direction coming from the general managers. There's a lot to be said for uh, what 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 the general managers want and them dictating in, in the conversation that people aren't privy to on. On, on, you know, which way the, the calls are slanted. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the aging of players. Talk a little bit about, you know, what is an age? When do players fall into their own? Why are, how, how, how when does this start to slide as a diminishing of the career? And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then who are some of the guys that don't seem to get old? And, and, and we'll have a conversation about that. Me and you. Me and you. We're, uh, we're, we're certainly... Uh, you know, we're we're certainly a couple of guys that uh, that uh, got away with as long as we did, no matter how long it was, and, and feel pretty lucky. Yeah, well, here, we're we're sitting right now. I mean, let's think about it. We'll give the we'll give uh, our listeners a little perspective on where we are right now. Hey, <laughs> talking hockey, talk, speaking about getting old and talking about hockey, we're in the bowels of uh, one of the great establishments here in St. Louis, Ob Clark's. Yeah. I mean, everybody's been to Ob Clark's. Yeah. I mean. Who gets to do a podcast from, yeah, from the basement? From the basement, from their <laughs> office. This is I mean, officially this... from their office, and and so I know that we're getting old. That we're we're doing a podcast down here. I've seen I've seen a lot of things in my life. Not many have matched what I've seen down here in the office of of the uh, great O'Brien family. Uh, you're right about that, and uh, it, it's a neat spot because we we get to go do our hockey show upstairs. Yeah, we can do our podcast downstairs, and uh, hey, it all fits. We need all, to, we need central. We need a couple of. Cold ones and some pizza. <laughs> I think they'd put a studio in for us. <laughs> oh, that's a sounds, good call, right? Sounds there. like a good idea. Let's go. Now, listen. You started off on uh, right off the hop on on officiating. I saw a couple of tweets that you had because we do different broadcasts during the game, and uh, um, you 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 fired out a couple recently. Um, I always look at you like I give you this I give you this stunned look when you send something out. Like, did you send that out, or are you thinking of sending that out? No, no, you sent it out, and you. Um, it's interesting. And you know a lot about the officials. You have, and, and I'm going to say this with a great deal of respect, you've got a lot of great friends in the league. Many of them are officials. Right. And so you have that, that uh, fine line that you, you can go to, too, where you can, uh, you can give them a little bit of a, a stab having fun with them. You've been with them. You know them. 
but do you do, do you think they're in a really difficult spot right now with the with, with think, the way that the game is being played? And I think they're in a horrible spot. Yeah, yeah, I think they're put in that spot by a lot of the general managers, and not necessarily what the fans want. Uh, listen, first of all, uh, I'm going to say this: I have a great deal of respect for the officials. I think what they do is a hard job. I think that I don't think you have to. You should have to wait until the the playoffs to have accountability. I was not a good player. I had to live with criticism every day, and I live with criticism when I do the, the show, and everybody's got it in their life. That's the, that's the vocation we chose, okay? Yep. Don't whine about being criticized. Every single morning I was on NHL Network, I'd get up in the morning and someone would be upset about something you said because yep. you picked Pittsburgh over Boston or this guy over that guy or you didn't have the play of the week that should be this guy. I get it. If you don't have tougher skin, get out of the job. Right. That's the way it is. So I want to say... I believe the officials have a very tough job. Mm -hmm. What I don't like is two things. I don't like that they don't have to speak to the media right after the game, like the players do. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't like that they that 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 they're being maybe not handled with. We don't have enough good officials, so so you can't find them or whatever. But I know if I was terrible, if I was horseshit one night, you know what would happen? I wouldn't play. I wouldn't get to play. That's how it worked. And there was lots of nights when I where I was. I mean, I, you know, I'm thankful for my career, but but that's that's the long and short of it. That's the reality of how this this game is and how hard it is to play it, be involved in this game, and that's exactly what it is. So, whatever it is that you know that uh, you know that that we you know can you know do to change any of that, I'm not taking anything away from these guys because it's an extremely tough job. But I think when you completely miss a call and it affects the game, I think there has to be some sort of recourse for it. Now, you, you mentioned about the media accountability. It's it, it, it's happened only a couple of times, hasn't it, where there's been a call where, isn't it the Professional Writers Association that can ask for, uh, they can ask for a referee after, a, let's say something really bizarre happens, and it's just a, a call that has just gone awry and everybody knows it, and they just need... Like shooting a puck in with a broken stick in overtime. Okay, that, that's a good example. That was last year. That was right. in Detroit, right. and it was just an abdicator. Right. Correct. And they're going off the air on NBC. It was a nationally televised game. And the play happens, uh, you know, whether it's... Uh, and the guy I'm working with at NHL Network doesn't want to bring it up because he said, ah, well, we work for the league. I'm like, that's oh, the yeah. story. Well, it shouldn't matter who you work for. No, that's that's true. We all have... We all... I mean, we, it's just a... It doesn't pass the eye test. If it doesn't pass the eye test, then you've got to talk about right. it. You can't hide it. Uh, but that was an interesting one. But why? why do you think... Do you think every day it'd be just too much for the referees? I don't think they need. If they to, were asked I don't think every they day need to after justify every, game? every call. No, but I Either think do I. I. I don't. I and I think they have a tough enough job. I think that their their directive is to call more penalties. So they look for stuff that that is, if it's not obvious, don't call it. Let okay, the team play. You're going to talk about the Robert Bortuzzo play. I could, but I could talk about lots of them because my yeah. point is this. My point is is that you have 20 guys you're paying on the team. Yeah. If you don't want 20 guys to play. Don't give the referees that directive. Just say, let's just have a roster of 15. Because five guys don't play. When you have all the penalties that you get called in some of these games, 14 penalties, 11 minor penalties, you're taking half the roster and eliminating them from what people like to see. Now, some people love to come and watch the goaltenders. That's their favorite part of the game. But other guys like checkers, and they like guys that maybe the fighter, which yeah. there's very few of now. Maybe it's just a skill guy and... and, and, and Eight of those power plays are against your team, and that skill guy doesn't kill penalties. When do you see him, Panger? You don't see him then. It cuts his minutes because of penalties the other night from 14, from 20 minute regular 
to a 14-minute regular. Yep. Now, that's around the league. So for me, I think the directive that these guys are getting from the hockey people, yep. I want to add that, so I know there's going to be some offended officials out there, but they really are. They're my friends, a lot of them, and they respect what I have to do, and I respect what they have to do. But criticism, we all get it all the time. Mm-hmm. We got it as players. Mm-hmm. We sat out when we got too much of it. We got it as broadcasters, and when we didn't do you know, a good job, we were taking heat from somebody. But that comes with the territory in this, in this okay, game. Okay, so we started the season this year. This is interesting that you, you jumped into this part of it because we started the season with everybody talking about the goaltending equipment's you know, obviously too big. So that needs to be tightened up. And then many, many, many people said they're not calling enough penalties. So, right. so you, uh, there's some that even suggested we've got to change the rule that a, a two-minute minor should stay as a full two-minute power play, which I don't like that at all because of, the, because of what you're bringing up, which is some of the calls are just so questionable. How can you ask, how can you ask a real questionable call that everybody knows it's not the right call and that's going to be a two-minute full power play? But that's another topic at another time. So the ebb and flow of what we're looking for to try to fix the game when we're in the middle of the season, isn't that maybe something we should talk about? Maybe, maybe this shouldn't be... Why, is, why, is, why all of a sudden did the goal equipment come up so bad? Well, because they want because more goals. goals because they goals want more goals. So now we're going to have more calls. That'll give more power plays. Then we get more goals. Why is it the most <laughs> watched game in the world? I, I don't enjoy watching it. Is soccer. Yeah, where there's, the, where there's no there's goals. There's one-nothing goal yeah. games all the time. Yeah. Why are we worried about the goals? It's, there's so much good well, because, that goes you know on why? in the game. Because soccer people appreciate that part of the game. They, they don't ask for more goals. Um, and the only people that ask for more goals in our business, from what I understand, are mainstream media. They start talking about mainstream goals media, versus chances. And they get on the general managers and the hockey That's people. That's right. They put pressure then, on them oh, through articles oh, we got to change our yep. game. We, we saw two very intelligent hockey minds talking in the stands, and we got to sit with them the other day. Yep. Adam Oates and Ken Holland. Yep. And Kenny Holland says, who's always trying to figure out, you know, like, I think he's a real thinker. Yep. And he says, Adam, do you like the game? Adam sits for a second and goes, yeah, yeah, I like the game. Yep. I wouldn't change much about the game. Yep. And he said, you know, I kind of, you know, I enjoy the way the game is right now. And he started talking about why. I'm intrigued mm. by the fact that you have two intelligent hockey people that don't need to worry about adapting to every guy that has a suggestion mm. in the media. Mm. To me, come on. Like, and, and, and a few of the players now coming out and talking about how they don't like three-on-three. They, they're not falling to the whole, oh, the fans are up and they stand up cheering. I think it's exciting. Me too. I think it's, you know, mm-hmm. fantastic chance-wise. But they also thought, hey, that'll change too. We'll learn how to defend it. And it'll mm-hmm. be, it won't be as many. We'll see. It'll be hard to defend against that, though. We will see. It'll and you know, hard. and you got to remember when I when I have fun with the officials. Yeah, I'll, I'll send out a tweet, something that I think is, and and you know, you know, last year I took some grief because I sent out, you know, that the guys after that Detroit game, the guys had to have their jerseys back to Foot Locker by five o'clock, and that's. I haven't been to Foot Locker forever. Is it still and, alive? And then, of course, the the guys were upset with me. Some of the officials. Which, you know, I understand you're protecting your teammate or whatever, you know. <laughs> but I think that if they, we sat down and talked about it, they'd find a different perspective on it. But the funny thing was, is a week later, they thought, okay, let's all die down. And I said, you know, now I said, I want you to know, we, uh, you know, I want you to be clear that now the Foot Locker people are offended that I've compared them to referees. And <laughs> you are actually. so bad. And, Don't, uh, you can't uh, take uh, Chaser too seriously. Uh, on and this I'm stuff. having fun yes, with it. And I, I really am. But. Yeah. 
hey, listen, we all make mistakes and they're exposed and they're shown. And whether you can be critical, you, you have to understand that people are going to be critical of you and that's the way it is. And if you can do it in a fun way too, I think, uh, I think that that's uh, the best part about it. Yeah, I agree. I, I do agree with you. Hey, uh, listen, we've got a couple of things here. Should we, should we cover this right now? I want to say a special thanks to the Blues Lounge on oh, Facebook. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, buddy? yeah. Um, you know, the Blues Lounge, they, they've, they've really helped us kind of get things going here. And um, so we put a little contest. The winner of the Blues Lounge on Facebook NHL gift card, which is $50, is David Kraft. Nice. So David, David Kraft. Way to go, David Kraft. Way to go, David Kraft. Uh, $50 NHL gift card goes to David Kraft. We thank you so much for partaking. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're encouraged by how positive uh, the listenership has been so far. Uh, an autographed Chase Pang iTunes artwork. That's got to be something else, huh, Chaser? Uh, <laughs> Seriously. I'm interested to see that one myself. I uh-huh. haven't seen that just so yet. So we got a winner there as well, Adam Jones. Adam Jones. So Adam, 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 Adam Jones is the winner. Perfect. Okay. So uh, I like that a lot. Hey, uh, you, you mentioned the media accountability from the refs. Can yeah. I throw something out here because it just I want happened? You to. Because I it just it. happened uh, the other day. We're in Buffalo. We're in Buffalo here, and so the media in Buffalo will know what we're talking about here. It's the first time that I've actually, I've, I've actually witnessed it happening, Chaser. Where I've heard grumblings, where you know, let's say the president of the uh, uh, Professional Writers Association. Um, which is all the mainstream, the, the writers, they, they've all got their responsibilities and they've got their unions and whatever they've got as well. But uh, a fellow named Mike Harrington of Buffalo News, um, I guess in Buffalo, we didn't know about it at all because we're not there all the time, but I guess they would, they'd had enough of Dan Bilesman being a little late after the morning skate. I, there's a certain amount of time. Is it 10 minutes or 20 minutes? I think it's 10 minutes. 10 after, minutes. Yeah. So after the skate, so the coach has to make himself available to the media. So we walked right into a firestorm, didn't we? This was oh, great. So we, we walk in and we get into this room and, and I, I go, hey, is, has a Danny, has Disco Dan Boelsma, has he, has, he, has he talked yet? And they're like, nope, not yet. And so whether it's uh, Brad May that was there or, or Rob Ray or, or Brian Duffer and then the writers that were all there. And I said, well, boy, it's a long time. The Blues are almost off the ice. Yep, it's happened a few times. And I said, okay, well, I'll keep coming back. Hey, if he comes back in here, can you guys give me a holler? And so I, I want to jump in there and at least listen to see what, uh, what Dan's up to. So I've got some good info for, for the game. Um, nope, not there yet. I go back over to the Blues side. Boy, they're coming off the ice. Hitch is already off the ice. You know? So I'm thinking Hitch is going to talk. And uh, I come back again. And, and uh, I, think, I think it was Rob Ray that said, hey, you might want to come in here and listen to the first question. <laughs> so <laughs> Coach had just walked in there. And, uh, and sure enough, right off the hop, uh, Mike Harrington is, is over in the right side. He's very calm and composed. And uh, Dan, you know, addresses the media. And then the next question was um, basically, why do you not respect what we do as writers? We have a job to do. Why are you constantly late, uh, consistently late coming out here? Dan says, I, I wasn't late. I had 11.45 meeting and it lasted till this long. Nope, that wasn't, that wasn't good enough. And the next question came up. And at one point, the PR of Buffalo Sabres said, hey, listen, Mike, why don't we talk about this uh, later in the back room? And he says, nope, we're going to talk about it right now. And he just, he kept asking Dan questions. And I think it might have startled Dan a little bit, too. I was watching him try to answer his next couple of questions. And it was, it was a little bit quieter tone coming out of there. But, uh, I, you know, I didn't, I, I've not seen or heard. I, I think most coaches and everybody's pretty good at it. This is the first time that I actually personally witnessed uh, the heat was on. 
the heat was on. The pressure was on Dan for coming out late like that. So everybody has their accountability. Well, everybody does. And actually, we talked about that with one of the general managers, too. I did. I said, oh, I see somebody ask for an autograph, and the guys, oh, they sign on whatever day they don't sign. And then we got PR directors that, that are there. What are you there for? Well, they're there to protect the players. From what? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, have went, I've, I, I was in a locker room for a long time as a player. I never one time felt like somebody needed to protect me from somebody. <laughs> Don't say dumb shit, and you don't have to worry about it, okay? And then, and the other thing is, and truthfully, the other thing is, it's like, as far as the coaches go, coaches and general managers in hockey operations people, and Lou Lamorello is the absolute worst for not respecting how you market the game and allowing the media to be, to have, uh, to engage with the players affects our game. I like Dan. I think he's a great coach. If he's consistently doing that, he is in the wrong banger. Because mm-hmm. the media is there to promote the game, which is why Dan's making three and a half million bucks a year. Okay? That's how he got to that point. Mm-hmm. I watched Dan lay in front of Al McInnes' shot for 400000 If somebody would have told him he was going to make three and a half million coaching, he'd have gladly gone out and done an interview. Mm-hmm. Okay? So be respectful of the people around you. And that's the way it is. That's mm-hmm. the way we have to handle the game. Promote the game. It's a game. We have to do everything we can to, as a, to expose as many people as we can to the game. And how hard can it be? Come on. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. No, it's a. Uh, and it's, that's. No, but I, you know, I guess I, I, I guess there's sort of a there's certain guys that have sort of a, a different a grandfatherly approach of protecting or seemingly like they're protecting the players and making sure they've got their very best on the ice. I think what happens though in that case is that the players they fall back on that too often and then uh, you know then then they, they they don't think they have to do anything. I and don't that's, want that's, players to concentrate on anything but hockey. Are you kidding me? The, the players are different nowadays. I the I players get, are different. I get the, players, the, the players growing up playing midget hockey, junior we've hockey. We've created they're, that. They're doing interviews on the bench before the game. They've got cameras going on in the locker room. It's a different mentality now than what we were when we were playing. I, I don't think there's many guys throwing up before the game. So I no. don't think they need that kind of protection as much anymore. Well, that and the fact yeah. that I think the greatest example of it is is when they were talking about NASCAR. They can have a camera in their car, yeah. be going 260 miles an hour. And turning left all the time. And, yeah. <laughs> And and be talking right after, but but we can't do an interview and warm up. Yeah, I mean because no, I don't like to do that. It's yeah. it's against my beliefs. I can't concentrate. Yeah, Come yeah. On. And for the most part, and and you know because we're the both we're both down there. The players can really do it. Good. They the do players it all now. can do it. Even the players from junior hockey, hey. they come in there like no, not the player, a problem. The players are great. They get interviewed all it's the time. It's the people that yeah. manage the players that are the problem. Yeah, yeah. you know, ninety percent of the pl- time when you ask for things, the players don't know anything about it. Ninety no, percent of the time, yeah, that's they true. don't know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that Be- probably happened a lot even in our day where it, we didn't know. I'm sure it did. You know, I'm sure it did. And we would we would have done it. But can you imagine the growth of hockey that would have happened with the great teams in New Jersey had they been exposed to the players like the players do in Chicago? Mm. Think about how well, the game would well, have listen, grown. The players in Chicago were were brought back for many years. I mean, there was it's it wasn't until Rocky Wirtz took over the. Chicago That's what Black I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying yeah. to you. Look what's going on in Chicago. That, the, the expansion of hockey right now in yeah. Chicago is astronomical. Yes, it is. With the cups they won. Well, if in New Jersey they would have been doing the same thing with the public outreach while they were winning cups, don't you think there'd be a lot more asses in the seats? Oh, for sure. No question. I'm just making sure we're on the same page. No, we're on the same page for sure. I guess I, I go back to the different personalities. Lou, Lou did that 
to, you know, because he felt that's the way they were going to win, and they won. If they wouldn't have won, then there wasn't a whole lot of argument for it. But at the same time, he was competing with you're competing with a metropolitan New York marketplace, and that's where I, you know, I think we both know this with Lou. Lou wasn't going to change, and I think Lou's a tremendously loyal man, just like oh, Bill. Wirtz I love, was. I love the man. I but, think he's a very generous person but, too, and loyal. He is extremely generous and loyal. But if you could just sort of push them out just a little bit, a little bit like that. Having people engaged in your media, having your players engaged in your media, is not going to decide be the deciding factor on winning you or losing. It just doesn't. No. It doesn't. No, because Chicago proves that. It, it, that's my point. And L.A. proves that's that. That's my point. Actually, L.A. proves that. Those, yeah. those players are allowed to do, you know, they, they have to Everywhere. sell it. Everywhere. They have to sell it. I'm, I'm thinking of teams that have just recently won, and, and their marketplace has really grown. I mean, L.A. minor hockey has really grown since they've won cups and they've pushed their players out. Chicago, obviously the same thing. Tampa Bay last year go to the Stanley Cup Finals, their big boy. I mean, that's an area that uh, they're, they're all working hard out there, getting the word out. Those players can't be hidden. They've got to be out there. Well, if you're going to promote the game and that's what you're hired to do yeah. and you expect to be paid, and, and their promote owner, the game. And their owner, Jeff Finnick, one of the, oh, one of the oh, wait, nicest you, owners wait, in the wait, world. Wait, you'd like a little a bit more money from the owner so yeah. you can sign a player? Yeah. Well... Let's put a few more butts in the seats. Yeah. How are we going to do that? Well, let's have Steven Stamkos actually show up to a few things. Oh, wait, he does. Oh, that's why we get the money. Yeah. Yeah. Cyclical, buddy. It is. It, it is. is. All right. Chasing pucks with Panger. Back in a minute on NHL.com. Podcast.com. Oh, NHL Podcast. NHLpodcast.com. Did I say that, NHL.com? Yeah. Yeah. NHLpodcast.com. NHL All right. We're going to repeat it a couple times. NHLpodcast.com. I'm going to get that in my head. Chasing pucks with Panger. At Panger40, at ChasingPucks39, <laughs> at NHLPodcast.com. Back in a minute, here from the bowels of O.B. Clark's <laughs> Pang and Chase. Hola, muchachos, my friends. This is the Ocho Man from the Ocho Man Behind the 8-Ball Podcast. If you're enjoying Chase and Panger show... You gotta give our podcast a listen. We've got a new show every Friday with a great crew of guys that talk everything from sports, conspiracies, stock market, whatever crazy shit that we talk about, it's crazy. I, I, I'm telling you, you guys will love it. Find our show now on OchoMan.com, on iTunes and Stitcher and all major podcast outlets. Brought to you by Lineup Media Group, my friends. All right, with Kelly Chase, Darren Pang, I'm going to make fun of it again, Chaser, okay? Uh, NHLpodcast.com. You did, a, you did a great job. NHLpodcast.com. We got it now. NHLpodcast.com. You we'll, got it. Chasing Pucks and Panger. We'll never screw it up now, will we? No, sir. You Back just, here again. You tell us once, Chaser, and that's it. <laughs> I'll screw it up. You won't. I know. I know. The, I, I, you're the professional at this. No, I don't think so. But I, I'm, liking, I'm liking being down here in the offices of Obi Clark's and listening to the noise upstairs. For 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 just being after Thanksgiving, there's lots of action going on. There's always action huh? here, man. I, I mean, love this place. There's a reason why. I do you have any stories from this place? I do, <laughs> and I know we're only on a podcast. And I'm all to myself. Uh, all to myself. You know, we get talking a lot about hockey, about how uh, you know trends in hockey. Yeah. And the trend now seems to be headed towards, um, you know, guys not playing long into their careers mm-hmm. and having them on PTOs. Um, there are some exceptions to the rule and some really good ones, obviously. Um, you know, but 
but just the extension of your career, I got to ask you, like, how did you know Panger for you? How did you know when you were, uh, uh, that was it? Um, I mean, I know you had an injury, but, but like, what happens with you with your career where you go, you know, I just, I just can't because because a lot of because I I felt like I could have played well I, I was fortunate I was getting offered a contract by a couple mm -hmm. of teams still and I chose to stay in St. Louis so I knew that I could play I mean I could at least get a contract whether I could play or I couldn't was an argument between GMs but I mean it, it's a tough tough deal when you're on the downside of things mm -hmm. and to accept roles when you're great players and accept roles and responsibilities when you're trying to get a contract very and difficult I, and, and I see that with guys that are you know, they believe in themselves, but certainly have a tougher time um, putting their arms around the retirement. Mm -hmm. It'd be easier for a role player. Um, is it, though? Isn't it? No, I don't mean a role player that's a tougher player. I mean a, a role player nowadays that can still skate, an old second-line player that can still skate and has some hockey sense. I'll use Scotty Upshaw as an example that plays for the St. Louis Blues, okay? Right. You know, at one point he's the sixth overall draft pick of the National Predators. Right. His, the ability that he has to skate and get around the ice, still has good hands, has good hockey sense, is not a 20-goal scorer in the league. He'd be the first to admit that. But he can go down the line a little bit and then go up the line a little bit, and that's what made him valuable for a, for a two-way contract for the Blues. But a, a high-end player, top six. I remember when Wayne Gretzky was coaching Phoenix, Chaser, and you remember these days. He's his, your, 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 uh, the year after the original lockout of 05, first year with no red line they're going to call every ticky tack play so you're going to go on nine power plays a game and Wayne Gretzky's coaching for the first time and he had old brilliant guys Mike Ricci I think was an outstanding hockey player but couldn't keep up with the game right post lockout um, Peter Nedved couldn't keep up with the game post lockout Jeremy Roenick came on board the same kind of thing um, still thinking that he was the player of the past when in reality he wasn't, and he had to succumb to a different role, but that was hard for him to accept. Um, the other guy was Brett Hall, and Brett Hall eventually, re he, he retired. Yeah, he, you know, seven games into it. Well, uh, he said when, Gret when Gretz didn't put him out there on the five-on-three. It was And it was a six-on-three. A six-on-three, and he didn't put him out yeah. there, and he said that was enough. That, that was, was enough, yeah. That's when I knew I was done. He I was on the plane it, that night, he, by the way. He said, I started with Tyson Nash on my line. When, th when he threw me, when I was headed for a breakaway, and he threw me a pass off the back of my knee... I thought that Tyson Nash and no six on three. That's <laughs> it's got to be the end. It can't get worse than this. Didn't any bugs Nash about that all the time? Didn't Gretz say the same thing? Well, who was, wasn't Bill Berg Gretz's left winger when he ended it? And didn't he say the same thing? Like all these great players, they realize it. They're looking at it, going, "Okay, I'm on the board with who tonight? Oh, I, <laughs> I'm I on the board with who? Is my right winger and left winger thousandth game for Hully in Calgary?" And Hitchcock put him with Sean Van Allen and Teddy Donato at the ends of their career. And had Hully playing right wing with them. I guess the guys said it was just comedy. <laughs> it, like, And you could see it too, right? Uh, it, no, it, I can it, picture it quite oh, clearly. It would be... It would be uh, you could imitate it if you want. You know, no, nah, I... <laughs> it's not even fair. Are you kidding me? I need someone that can get me a pass. A thousand games. And that's it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See? See? So I guess my theory is correct. It's, it's a lot easier putting a, a decent skating guy that, uh, that uh, doesn't have the, that brilliant mind. They can go down the ladder and play in the bottom six, but those great ones can't. They, they just 
they expect to be on the ice in critical situations and moments because that's all they've been their entire life. And and I, I feel bad for them when it goes down this way. I've, we've, we've all seen this road. I was the one that went back to the plane chaser when I heard, uh, I heard Holly in the back of the plane. Uh, we were going back from L.A. to Phoenix, and I went back and sat with him. And I had a couple of nice cold Bud Lights with him in, back there because he was having a few. And I just said to him, uh, I said, Holly, you know you could be golfing every day. And he says, I could be golfing. I should be golfing every day. And I said, you know what? You should be golfing every day. This is not... This is not going down the right path for you. You're best friends with Wayne Gretzky, and this isn't a healthy way of going out in your career. You'll always be best friends, and you don't want this kind of moment to, to ruin those types of things. And all, and all Gretz was trying to do is coach a hockey team. Right. He's, just trying to, he's just trying to get some pace to the game because the game has changed. And uh, Anyway, it was a good thing for Holly. He ended up giving it a try, retiring, and the night he retired, who's in town with the Detroit Red Wings? And jam-packed in that little wee... Little wee press area down below it, uh, uh, it was jobbing.com in that time, um, Gila River um, Arena. Um, he was down there, and every one of the Detroit Red Wings boys were jammed into that little room while he retired. So that was great. It was yeah. great to see him with all his buddies. And, uh, and a tough and, day for him, too. You know? oh I mean, it's a tough day goodness. for everybody. Yeah. But, but I know how, how hard it was. I remember to say him. retired. Say the I, word, I'm going to retire. No, I, I remember. I, hey, listen, oh, I, I had to do an interview with... Uh, Camo X online when they announced that we were, that I was re, you know going to be on Camo X and announced that I had to put the phone on mute twice because I told everyone they weren't allowed to be in the house. Uh, I was walking around the house talking on the with the earphone on the house and I made the whole family go out and they listened to it out on the boat because you could get Camo X back home in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And I said I don't want anybody here right now and it was a tough day for me. Yeah. I didn't want anybody at the house that night. I was. It was a hard day. It's yeah. hard to say that you're done doing something you've done your whole life and that the only thing you ever dreamt about doing. Yeah. So, uh, and it's coming. It's going to come to a close too for some of the great players in there. But I want to ask you about them. We got Shane Doan, Yager, Chara, and Aginla, who are some of the great players that are left in the game that I think that have played. You know, they've all played almost though they've all played over 1,400 games. So, oh. I mean, when you think about that and put that in perspective, that's that's phenomenal. How do these guys continue to maintain the level of play they are? Conditioning. It's well, only, Chara, Chara only one is way. scary. Like, they're, they're freaks of nature, they Chaser. Are. They really are. Um, well, we, let's look at the players you said. You said Yager. Well, we all know that Yager's um, individual training regimen is unprecedented. And his, I'm not sure if it's a love for winning or just a love for playing a long time right now. But he's given it everything he's got. He trains with a 40-pound vest. He skates with that 40-pound 40, 40 vest. We've heard about the stories of him in, uh, in Philadelphia having a key to their practice rink in Voorhees and skating there at 11 o'clock at night and doing the same thing everywhere he's gone, whether it be in Dallas or whether it be in... Uh, I'm not sure if he got the keys to the New Jersey uh, practice rink or not, but... Um, just, he did. He did. Yeah. So um, just those things alone. And, and, and what do they say about the older you get? What goes first, the hands or the legs? The legs, right? Yeah, the legs. Certainly, yeah. Well, but, but Bernie's Fider- legs haven't but gone. Bernie Federico, he, he's got a perspective on it too. He said, "Hey, it's the hardest thing for me was knowing." He said, "My hands went." He said, "I was never a fast player, but knowing that I could make the play, knew where I should make the play, and couldn't make the play, really bothered oh, him." Yeah. He said, the play was there. He knew it was there, but he couldn't get the puck there. But to be honest with you, I think that comes with your feet slowing down. Yeah. Because if you're in a better position. The game slows down for you. You know, when, you're, when you first get called up, I had a hard enough time my entire career. But when I first got called up, holy smokes. 
And then when you got skating and going into power skating schools and doing more and more of that type of thing, you start to realize, you know, that that's such an important part of it and, and how you're going to, the game will evolve. Yeah, that's what keeps all of these guys in the game. Their, their conditioning, but their foot speed. Mm -hmm. um, things slow down and make it, you know, a, a better a better business part of it for them. You know, and I remember Mario Marois telling me at the end of his career, he just kept saying, ah, the legs are letting me down, kid. The legs are letting me down. And, you know, he was he still knew where to play the puck. He was still mean as ever and tough as ever. But he kept saying, you know, the, 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 the legs aren't getting the job done for me. And, and I, you know, and, and, and after a while, you know, and I remember, I remember when Garth Butcher retired, there were teams that still wanted him to play. And he said, amazing perspective on it. He said, "I'm not, I'm not going to cheat the game. The game's been wonderful to me, so I'm not going to cheat the game. What I'll do," he said, "it's someone else's turn, and that's that's the reason that he that I'm leaving the game. He goes, it's it's very young guys, it's someone else's turn to have a great career. So, but I appreciate uh, the time today, Panger. We're going to pop back with two little quick thoughts, and I'll be back in a minute here on Chasing Pucks with Panger on NHLPodcast.com." Hey, this is Big John McCarthy. And this is Sean Wheeler. Be sure to join us every week for Let's Get It On, as John and I bring you the inside view of MMA and combat sports. We're going to discuss the latest issues, debate the hottest topics, and interview some of the biggest stars from the combat fighting arena. Plus, I'll answer your questions and always separate the fact from the fiction. That's Let's Get It On with Big John McCarthy and me, Sean Wheelock, with a new episode debuting every Friday. You can go straight to our website at letsgetitonpodcast.com. Get ready, because we're going to bring you the truth about MMA and combat sports. The real question is, can you handle the truth? Well, what a great opportunity. I get to sit down with my old buddy and welcome back to town. I know you're in visiting and doing a little bit of work, but Adam Oates, welcome back. Thanks, Chaser. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you're back in town. You're doing a little work. I know you're going to visit with Holly. You get to, I got to visit with you a little bit, but you're doing a little work. Tell us about the new career and kind of what you've been doing. You know what? It started in the playoffs last year. I had a couple guys that I've coached uh, in the league reach out to me, talk to me about their game. And then this summer, uh, obviously the coaching gig didn't show up and uh, I formed this company where I'm working with players around the league on their skills, on their habits, uh, trying to become better players in this game. So you'll go in and take a look at a player, watch video, I assume, watch yeah. video, watch what they're doing, kind of help them with the skill set. It has nothing to do with any structure, the team play and that, because there's more and more sports that are going to that individualized instruction. Yeah, you know what, I, I kind of got the idea from LeBron James, believe it or not, watching the, the NBA playoffs in the finals. He talked about how he has this guy that in between practice days, in between games, they go over all the kind of shots he's missing and how to work on it in practice. And because as coaches, you only have so much time in the day to work on, you know, work on the systems and work with your 20 guys. And these guys all like this individual attention. We're getting to that stage in our career in this sport where guys are used to individual attention. They start as young guys, they're having shooting instructors, skating instructors, they get individual attention. Starting at 10 years old, we get them at 20, Right. They've already had 10 years of this kind of instruction. They want private tutoring. So that's what kind of I'm offering right now. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because you've, you've had the luxury of playing a long career, your Hall of Fame career, 
And then you got the opportunity to coach as an assistant and then a head coach in the league. Mm -hmm. Did you find that you would have liked to have found a little bit more time to just kind of to, to, to be able to help out those guys in the assets that you offered? It's, it's one of the things that you, you try and allocate that time all the time. Right. Right. Because, but you know, you don't schedule. It's hard. You travel. You play three and four, four and six. The guys are tired. They need rest as well. You got to work on systems. Your assistant coaches after practice fan out and they do a little details with the guys, but there's never enough time. Well, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned systems. Let's talk a little bit about systems because it's the structure in the game has never been more evident. The, the, Correct, you yeah. guys watch a lot of video. You're, you're a coach. Your assistant coaches watched a lot of video. You put that into a system, and then you have to have a team concept. But there seems to be sometimes where, I don't want to use the word, guys like me that would have used the personal instruction of a skills coach, and we had to learn from the guys that were that were on our team rather than the coaches because we were playing a team concept. Yeah, you know, our generation, we learned a lot from the older guys on the team growing up because that's the way the system worked. Uh, nowadays, it's really hard because, you know, the young kids have a coach that has to get certified. Right. Where when I was a young guy, my dad coached me or your dad coached you. Right? Right. And we just, we just played the whole game and we played. Holly coached us. That's true. That, but that was in the pros. <laughs> uh, but you know what? So these coaches get certified and they work on systems and structure. Right. I can't tell you the amount of details that the kids are missing day in and day out, playing on their own, playing in the street, getting extra reps on their own. You watch basketball. The guys, the shooters, you see them work on the shots with the ball boys before and after practice. Right. They're not working with the coaches. They're getting their reps from the ball boys. Mm -hmm. Right. So what I do is I, I watch all their games. When they're in the mood, when they want to talk about it, I talk about all the little details that you see that maybe you can work on your hands, a little bit better positioning, how the angles, how the puck bounces. You know, I kind of consider myself a power play guy. And all they talk about in this league right now is there's no offense in the league. What and do you I, feel about that? I feel, you know what, they talk about the Nets. I don't, I don't think that's what it is. I really don't. First of all, I like our league. Right. I like our league, too. We talked to Kenny Holland today. You know, Washington went into Detroit last week, and Detroit won the game one nothing. It was a fantastic hockey game. Ovechkin had 15 shots. You right. tell me that's not that, a good hockey game? Plenty of opportunities, is what you're saying. Yeah, and you know what, I feel that the Fords have lost a little bit of identity on how to create offense, how to get points. And that's why you see a guy like Yager, who can still, if nothing else, the man knows how to produce offense. There's no question about it. Now, how, and, this, and I didn't speak to you about this before, but how would you, if you're changing it, what would you change? The game? Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody has really figured that out. Like right now, three on three is very exciting. Right. I think a month from now it won't be. Uh, you told me that this morning. Talk yeah, about that. I don't because I think players are going to figure out. Right now it's so new they haven't figured out all the, the mistakes from it. Like if I, if I go too far into this play, I can't get back. So my two-on-one creates their two-on-one. And coaches are going to figure that out because that's all we do as coaches. You figure out every mistake in the game from last night you're trying to eliminate tonight. So no matter what the league does, coaches are going to try and figure out how to stop that chance that just got on my goalie. Right, right. So that is not going away. So, so is that why you're seeing two defensemen now starting in opening face? You're seeing that now. It used to be two forwards. Now I've seen about 10 teams go to 2D half the shifts because they don't want to give up a free chance. Right. And, and they were saying that the first, I think it was the first 13 or 15 games, the, the team that won the opening faceoff had a scoring chance. So if you got the puck off the start, you, it, was, it was almost a given, you were going to have the first opportunity. It wasn't going to be a giveaway. I think the first three-on-three -three game was Tampa-Vancouver, and it was electric to watch. It was just <laughs> crazy. But the guys had no idea what to do. <laughs> right. It was just like breakaways like this. And, and you know what? They're going to figure it out. Um, 
they keep trying to identify offense, it's hard. The sport is really good. The coaching is really good. The goalies are really good. We talk about that. I think, I think not very many people talk about to the forwards how to create offense. Right. And what does that mean? What do you do to create that, that chance? Uh, you know, so many teams are shot blocking nowadays. What are the forwards doing to prevent that shot block? You know, what are the defensemen doing on the offensive blue line to see that, see that puck get by the guys that are blocking it? Right. 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 So there's all these little plays. You know, one of the stats that I keep personally is possessions. How many possessions are you wasting as a team? You got a defenseman with the puck, and he sees a guy, and he shoots it, and it's blocked. That's a turnover now, but that's also a possession. That's getting out of the zone. But if that guy throws it behind the net, you still have possession. You still got zone time in there. It's, it's amazing every night offensively. We work so hard as coaches defensively, we don't put the same amount of time offensively. That's true. That's true. Switch gears a little bit here. You get a chance to see your good friend, uh, your line mate, and the guy probably you're responsible for each other, maybe a little bit of a coming out party for the, the, you as both as players at Brett Hall. You guys have a great deal of fun when you get together, obviously, but, mm-hmm. but, but you seem to relate to one another on, on, on all types of different yeah, levels. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that and how that you know, kind of come about. You know what? It's, it, uh, chemistry is a word that is so elusive that uh, you're always trying to find. And from the day I met Holly, for some reason, we just clicked um, personally. And our personalities, you know, we're not the same. You know, he, <laughs> no. so, But for some reason, we clicked. We lived near each other. We roomed together. We talked hockey every second of every day together. Maybe it was our age at that time. Uh, and, you know, obviously the years he had were magical, you know, magical for us to be a part of. And uh, to, to be able to go out there every single night and watch him do his thing. Because, yeah. you know what, at the end of the day, he is the scorer. Right. And, uh, you know, it's always my best memories of my career, for sure. You had over 1,000 assists. How many more would you have had if you just stayed with Brett Hall? If we stayed healthy? Uh, a couple more. <laughs> Bobby Hall once said, if Adam Oates would have stayed playing with Brett Hall, there would have been one guy shooting pucks in the net, and it would have taken two to get them all out of there. I know. It's, it was, God, it was so much fun. I mean... Uh, even there's a couple games that people don't know where we'd have back-to-backs and you know it was a violent game back then and I remember we played Toronto and Holly had a hat trick in the first 30 minutes and we came to the bench and we said that's it tonight (laughs) why no more why because we got to play them tomorrow oh I see so it's back-to-back against the same team yeah we don't want to rub their nose in it because tomorrow night they might be after us he had a philosophy about that you could only do so much (laughs) (laughs) what would I know about I mean, I was sitting there for those times, but he used to say, "My, I, I'm not scoring any more than three, and you remember him saying this, oh, yeah. I'm not scoring more than three goals tonight, because if I do, there'll be somebody checking me like they did to my old man. Yeah, yeah. well, we talked about that a lot where, and you know, the year he scored 86, no empty netters, We've, you know, I know that all that's been documented, but there was times in the game where we felt we were going to win the game, and we did not want to insult anybody. Because we weren't the toughest team in the land. Right. And well, thanks. No, but we had tough guys. <laughs> we had tough guys. Uh, but we weren't the, the baddest guys on the block. No, and and every team mean. has them. I get because I felt really and, small out there at times. You know, and, and tomorrow we got to play them. And yeah. we don't want to rub their nose in it because, right. because you know what? We'll get hurt. All right. Well, you know what? I, the last question I have for you. You've started a new company. Yep. You're on your Adam Oates' uh, you know, performance company and skills uh, if Adam Oates had a chance to go back and coach, would uh, you coach? I would, as a head coach, yes. Yeah. Assistant coach, no. I had a couple of chances to be an assistant, and no, I enjoyed this more. I, I, one of the best compliments about being a coach I have right now is I got 100 players to call me. 
Well, that's great. That's, know, that's, that's the ultimate compliment, and I enjoy that. I really enjoy the feedback with them. I'm like a proud dad when they have success. Right. Um, but being a head coach, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's very challenging. It's hard to do. But if the chance came, I would take it. Well, listen, man, it's great seeing you. It's great seeing a friend come back to town. You know you're welcome here anytime. Thank you, bud. All right. Pleasure. Hey, guys. If you have kids who play baseball or you're a coach or an instructor, you've got to check out our weekly show, Youth Baseball Talk, powered by Baseball Youth with me, your host, Jim Crow. If you love the game of baseball, you'll really appreciate that we talk to some of the top experts about everything to do with youth baseball, including St. Louis Cardinals' own Mike Matheny, former number one overall pick and Major League Baseball player Andy Bennis, and some of the best national instructors like Matt Lyle, Justin Stone with the lead out of Chicago, and my good friend Steve Springer, as well as some of the best teams from across the country telling us how they do youth baseball. Find our show at youthbaseballtalk.com through iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and anywhere else that you would get your podcast. Thanks and enjoy the rest of Chasing Pucks with Panger. Chasing Pucks with Panger and uh, Kelly Chase, Darren Pang here on NHLPodcast.com. I, I want to keep going on, on that, that part uh, of those players. So we touched on the older players, Chara, Doan, Aginla, and Yager. Uh, what do they have in common? Great dedication to the conditioning part of the game. Somehow their hands are still able to you know to find the seams and to you know time the one timers i mean G- jerome mcginla is still a threat on the half boards with that one timer char is still a threat in front of the net and and uh, still has a bomb from the point you know yager just kind of continues to roll even though he he, ten- he slows it down but he makes plays he can still get there shane doan's kind of an old workhorse isn't he he's the only one of the three do you know that oh no actually yager and doan don't have a contract for next year. So that'll be interesting, Chaser, to see if they continue on. But I, I, it brings me to something I, I mentioned to Doug Armstrong today, the general manager of the Blues. I just said to him, uh, uh, we were talking about two-way deals. Tyler Kennedy just got a two-way deal. Uh, Dinah Zubris, who was in St. Louis' camp on a PTO, got a two-way deal. So Doug Armstrong says uh, he's talking about, uh, about his influence in the two-way deals. And I said, yeah, you already have a nickname in the NHL. It's 600-200. <laughs> because that's the kind of deal that he he ta- he got Scotty Gomez, Scotty Upshaw into into two way deals. Last year he got Chris Butler, I believe, in a two way deal. He did. Um, and so now that's the new nickname of Doug Armstrong. So that's going to stick. Six hundred, two hundred, six six over two. What did you What did you guys used to call? Because I never got to a thousand games. But the guys that walked into the league at at, at the very beginning in ten one thousand. No, no. Guys that acted like they've been in the league ten years yeah. and played a thousand games. Yeah. <laughs> Ten and one. <laughs> okay, so I asked this question then. I asked this question now. Will that slightly go away, the two-way deals? The players are worried about them. Entry-level deals, guys that are right now. I mean, Scotty Upshaw last year made $3 million on a, right. on, the, on a four-year, the fourth year of a four-year deal and goes to a two-way deal, okay? So I asked one of the players on the Blues, it was Jay Bowmeister, and I just said, well, do you think that's the way it's going to go? And he said, Think of expansion. We, we're going to add two more teams. So those players this year that got the, the you know, the the uh, 600, 200, they're now going to sign three-year deals worth two and a half million again. So it's going to pop up again because you're going to have 50 NHL contracts that each expansion team is going to have to sign players to. Right, but I think if we I, get into the expansion, but what in I the think will happen years. is is that the one thing that they're you they're they're figuring out is 
it's it's again it's it it's all the way it kind of was when I came in the league in the late '80s, where rather than pay a guy a whole bunch of money, they'll take a young guy that can skate fast, and they'll see if he can play. Mm-hmm. I mean, quick young players that aren't quite educated on the game enough. They can still chip it in. Right. And then we went into that whole, leave them in the minors, we'll let them develop, yep. we'll pay the older guys. Well, those that's gone on for long enough where, yeah, we're building in the minors. But now these young guys are all, and it's like they came in spurts. Look at all the young guys in Nashville. Look at all the young guys in Detroit that are taking over. Mm-hmm. St. Louis has had an evolution of players. They're starting to do that in Toronto. Mm-hmm. A lot of that has evolved already. Yep. San Jose's where, done that. Right. LA's done that. Right. Yep. Yep. So I think that... You know, those players that you talked about in their contracts certainly will change. But I think one of the interesting things about the game is is that guys are starting to take less money to get the years in their pension. For those of you that don't understand how the pension works, for every very year, good point. For every year, the pension you play in the league, you get twenty thousand bucks for the rest of your life. Okay, so if you played ten years in the league, you get two hundred thousand dollars based on the new pension from fifty-two. 52 for the rest of your life. I understand that to be the pension. Now, I could, I, maybe somebody will t- send me in and say that's not correct. Yeah. But from what I understood from, from the, the new players, agreement, that's what it is? The new agreement. So guys want to get an extra two years, an extra yeah. three years. They'll drag it out and take less money knowing to, to you get know, the term. The end sure. game yeah. is the term when you're, you know, your feet are up. Yeah. So, so a lot of players are starting to do that. And I think that's an interesting perspective to look at. I, I, I do as well. Um, I, this is this is just a random information thing, and it's not highly calculated. It's just a conversation with a GM around the league. What what age do most GMs feel that a player's a player's you know offensive output level of play is going to drop off? So the age that was thrown at me was thirty two. Uh, I was going to say thirty two. Okay? Yeah. So thirty two. So there was one player that uh, that was a was an exception to that. Had his best year in the NHL. Talk about a freak of nature, conditioning-wise. Best year was after age 36, and he just retired last year. Marty St. Louis. So one, you know, of you know, one guy actually had his best ever season beyond the age of 32. Now he won, you know, a Stanley Cup under that age. He obviously won a Hart Trophy as an MVP, but then he had his very best year after and, that. And coincidentally, it was in an option year, wasn't it? Yep, and then he dropped off. Right. Obviously, he's retired. I mean, right. he went from that big trade with Tampa Bay to New York Rangers, played one year, uh, the half of that year, or whatever, the trade deadline part, played the next year, and was done. Right, right. So, so well, not very many. No, no you're right. Huh? Well, folks, you can find us on NHLpodcast.com. Uh, on Twitter, it's at NHL Show. Facebook, facebook.com slash NHL Show. Email any information that you need to info at nhlpodcast.com. So you go to iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or any of the major podcast outlets, click subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating and help us out with the reviews. And you can remember, you can check out any of the other lineups that we have on uh, on our lineup media group shows. Uh, Ochi, Ocho Man, Behind the 8-Ball. Ocho, Ocho Man. Man. <laughs> You're on the clock. Let's get it on with MMA. Big John McCarthy. Sean Wheelock. And you can check it out at media up, pardon me, lineupmediagroup.com, lineupmediagroup.com. So um, we appreciate uh, your time. We're going to come back with uh, two more quick little beat uh, bites. Uh, mm-hmm. One, uh, our what, what, really, what, what? dude, what? 
uh, segment and our tweet of the week, which, by the way, I'm taking credit for. Are you? Yeah, I am. Okay, I so am. you got tweet, tweet of the week. And, and what about our three calls of the week as well? Got so we, them, got we, well. we got them nailed down, yeah. and uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back. Scars! Uh, Scars! <laughs> <laughs> back in a bit. Darren Pang, Kelly Chase, Chasing Pucks the Pan. This is Lineup Media Group. Perfection in podcasting. Back we are with NHLpodcast.com. Kelly Chase and Darren Pang here. Chasing pucks with Panger on our Twitter handle, and that'll come right up there. And It's been great uh, getting some feedback, huh, Chaser? Uh, a lot of people just, they'll sit around, they'll uh, get on the bike, they'll do a little workout, put on the old ear, earbuds, and listen in. We've got to give them some entertainment. Uh, we love it. You've love sworn it. three times so far in this one, too. Have I? Yeah, you have. Yeah. I said, they said I could. Yeah, they did. They did. And of, of and the two guys that was 13, 13 years and uh, 15 years of in broadcasting, broadcasting, never I, swore. I haven't done it. You know, uh, speaking of that, can I just add this here? Yeah, um, you can. I, you can add whatever you I want to your re- show. You know what I really, you know when I do the, the warm-up interview for yeah. Fox Sports Midwest on the pregame show? Sometimes, like, you just foul it up, huh? I kind of fouled up last week, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to, I shouldn't be repeating it because now it brings it to attention to it. But when I said... To Peter, uh, to Paul Stastny, not Peter. It was it was Paul Stastny who's playing and returning uh, after missing what 15 or 16 games. Mm-hmm. I just I knew that they had some great <laughs> chemistry with Steen and Tarasenko, and they have great chemistry. But I didn't mean to say that. Is it comfortable knowing that you've had great sex success? Sex came first. Success came second. I meant to say success, and I said sex. Uh, and, of course, um, a lot of people out there on, on uh, social media had a lot of good fun with it. Uh, they said that uh, those guys are really close, aren't they? I said they're really <laughs> super close. The boys on the plane, uh, and on the, you know, you go to the locker room, you get on the plane, and then the, the, the guys hear it because they're all on social media. Right. And then when Steen comes back and he is howling, <laughs> yeah. he couldn't help himself with how, how close they all are together. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I the love boys it. loved it. Stastny went along with it pretty good, too, didn't he? Here's well, here's the tweet of the week. Okay. Tweet of the week. Bortuzzo could have passed gas on this play, and Wes McCauley was calling a penalty. Now, I tweeted that, like, in fun. But the whole time, Tim, there's two things that happened. The number on Bortuzzo's back, because if that would have been a better player, I don't think it would have been a penalty. I, I believe that. And secondly, there is absolutely no reason to call a penalty on that play when all he did, he punched on the back of the kid's elbow with one hand and, and swung his stick around and, and knocked the puck from the other side and got a holding penalty. Hmm. Now, I, so wait a second. I think the directive of the league was to make sure they call him. You see, and more guys point to center on penalty shots. Guys, when they're completely open, you can't touch them now. It's still hockey. Yes, it is. And these poor referees are getting, they're getting out. They're having to call crap. So you're using your own tweet? I am. In a self-serving manner, aren't you? In a self-serving manner. Seriously, you are. You had an agenda coming into this with I, that. Well, you didn't have anything prepared. <laughs> <laughs> you right. You'll be better prepared next week, weren't you? Chasing Pucks, 39. You can catch it there. There's with the, tweet. the replay. Okay. And with, with the replay, the replay. And, and but when you when you click on to at chasing pucks thirty nine, go down the thread too. Make make sure you you read in there because uh, pass and gas was a was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> there are some good ones in there, man. All right, listen, we're gonna get one more plug in a shame. This isn't a shameless plug. No, it's this not. Is, Never no, is. No, 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 no. This is how we do it. Listen, uh, 
there's there's lots of things that happen in, throughout the show to help pay the bills. But uh, for the listeners that are listening to our podcast, uh, Audible is offering a free audio download, free 30-day trial um, to give you the opportunity to check out the services. So uh, go to uh, audio da- audio book for your audio download, a free audio book at audibletrial.com slash NHL. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash NHL for your free audio book. audibletrial.com slash NHL. There you have it. We got a uh, we got our dude really segment, and we had a we we happened to be in Pittsburgh uh, this week, and we got a little tip off before it was said that Matthew Barnaby was going to go on on the air and say on Sirius mm-hmm. that uh, there was a rift between owner Mario Lemieux yep. and Sidney Crosby. We got tipped off. Yeah, we did. We we did, but yep. the dude the dude really segment for me is is, is there a point in that? No. No? No, from our old buddy Barney? Yeah. No, not really. To, to come out and say that, yeah. just to say that? Like, it's not like... like w- He's standing by it, huh? He like, even came on afterwards on Twitter and said, I'm standing by what I said. No no question. I, and I, and I, I don't... And we all know that there's not, it's not exactly warm and fuzzy. He's not living at Mario's house anymore. He's got, he's he's, got a life going on around him. He's paying him. his own bills. He's got his own house. Right. <laughs> but, but to... To, to feel like they're fighting about something, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Both very quiet guys, huh? Yeah. I mean, I've, I got to know Mario. Um, I've played some golf with Mario. He's got a quiet presence about him. When he says something, everybody listens to what he's saying. He's a, he's a really unique individual. We've been around Sydney. Same thing. A real quiet guy. You know, he's, lives his own life. Doesn't really like to get out there. Um, but I, I, going back to Barney, I guess I put myself in those shoes, and we, we have been in those shoes before. Um, to say to yourself when you say it, is this going to be, you know, is this something just to get a little tension going on? Is it something you're going to stand by? Do you think Mario is going to say, yes, you're right, uh, Sidney Crosby and I have broken up. <laughs> We're not right. friends anymore. Or do you think, uh, you know, Sidney's going to stand up and say, yep, you're right. For everything Mario has done for me, um, yep, you're right. We're not friends anymore. So I, I'm just not sure why this was put out there or brought to the attention of the public. Um, a guy like Mario, it's known, or at least it's been told to us, that he's he's wanting to sell his portion of that team. He's done everything for that team. He's Superman. He was Superman on the ice. He was Superman off the ice. He went door-to-door with a briefcase to, to make that franchise live. Do you know at one point that the old owner, um, um, Allen, out in Portland, offered Mario $16 million. It was going to be in his account. $16 million because it was 50 cents on the dollar. The franchise is worth, let's say, $32 million, or Mario's stake was $32 million. That's what it was. And he was going to give him 50 cents on the dollar. There's $16 million. I'm taking your team to Portland. And Mario went, you know, thought about it. That's $16 million that's going to be in your account. Right. Life's okay. Right. But but the legacy of Mario wasn't going to be okay, and the legacy of the Pittsburgh Penguins weren't, wasn't going to be okay. And he went door-to-door to make that happen. And did they get a break with Sidney Crosby, number one overall in 05? Of course they did. They got a new building to show for it. A beautiful building, by the way. I mean, They did an unbelievable, oh and they God. take such pride in keeping that place so clean. And How about the 66 room? I know. Beautiful. Fantastic. As you go down ice level, the, the uh, Penguins go from their locker room right to the it's ice like level. It's like the Sub-Zero lounge it's, they have in St. In St. Louis. Louis. Yep. And the lounge that they have in Edmonton. Um, yep. it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. It really, really is. Really, really cool. Really cool. And... Uh, 
anyway, I guess I guess going back to your question, that's our dude, really. And uh, Barney would like. You know what? We should have. We'll, we'll get, get Barney we'll, on. Yeah, we'll get Barney on that because he loves it. He, yeah, he loves likes a good to battle. chirp a little bit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's a, that was a good dude, really one because that really caught a lot of people's eye. That caught Wayne Gretzky's. Uh, he heard about it. Everybody was uh, Rick talk. talk was, his yeah. buddy Gretz calls talk. Uh, hey, yeah. look out! This is coming your way. Right. right <laughs> oh right, my right, goodness. Right. My goodness. Well, well listen. I, well, listen. I, I, I don't uh, like you anymore. <laughs> Chase or that, we'll break it up. <laughs> dude, really? It's our dude, really segment of the week. Back in a minute here. Uh, and you know what we're going to have? Let's go to them right now. The top three calls of the week. Here you have it on Chasing Pucks with Panger. Top three calls of the week. Let it rip. Three on three. Bolesky to the other end. Curls away from Zetterberg. All three Bruins in the attacking zone. Colin Miller's got Turn the tables on the Red Wings. Mark Stone's got a three-point night. Out there with an empty net. Still almost two full minutes to work. Shot, rebound, bend. Oh, what a save. Anderson across, a drop stop. And the puck's in into the net. What a turn of events. Craig Anderson with an amazing stop off J.B. Ben. And that's going to do it. Zetterberg starts along with Cronwall and Larkin. Oh boy. Oh boy. Back is Clefbaum. Larkin to Cronwall. The shot. He scores! Game over! Red Wings win 4 to 3. Well, another edition of. Uh Chasing Pucks with Panger here on NHLPodcast.com. Darren Pang and Kelly Chase. Another fine week. Uh, uh, podcast extravaganza, I would believe. And it's the first time that we've done a show at the bottom of a bar and not at the top of the bar. We're at OB Clark's in good, the basement. We've done lots of them at the bar. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> we Usually up at the bar, not down the bar. <laughs> okay, next time we go up to the bar much, and we just do it up there. Much quicker to the keg room here. <laughs> hey, another great week. Yep. Um, great job, Chaser. You brought, a lot to the, you brought a lot to the hey, people hey, this I, week. I got to tell you, this is, uh, I'm liking this a lot. You know, I yeah. mean, I, I like sitting here talking hockey with a microphone. I know you do. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see between the benches this week. Get, How's that sound? That sounds like a plan, my friend. Okay, buddy. And, and uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to have some good audio. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, we're maybe getting a chance to talk to John Davidson tomorrow. So Sounds good. Uh, we'll get some audio from him, a good story. about Big the, boy. About the boys. Hey, stay tuned. If he'll let it out, we got a fantastic story about a Clydesdale being inside his house at a party. Sounds good. See you next week. Next happy week, happy uh, post Thanksgiving. Huh? All right. Okay. Happy. Happy. This has been Chasing Pucks with Panger, a lineup media group production. Find the show online at NHLpodcast.com, plus on iTunes, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Get access to all of the lineup media group shows at lineupmediagroup.com.